This is Dr. Jason Remenick, CEO and founder of Thalamus, and you're listening to Thalamus Grand Rounds, the premier podcast built by Graduate Medical Education for Graduate Medical Education. Whether a program coordinator, program director, GME administrator, DIO, or applicant, join me and my guests as we discuss hot topics in innovation in the residency and fellowship recruitment process. So on today's episode, we have a terrific guest with whom I'll be discussing the importance of reviewing GME applications holistically. It's a very big topic in GME right now, and certainly for for many reasons, a very important one. And really how programs can make holistic review an integral part of their recruitment process. So with me is Don DeSantis, uh, the Division Administrator for Graduate Medical Education for the Department of Pediatrics at the University of Florida in Jacksonville. So Don, it's a pleasure to welcome you on the podcast. Thank you so much, Jason. I'm very excited to be here to talk about this. Oh, for sure. Um, It's great to have you. And uh, yeah, can you start by just giving us a little bit about your background and how you wound up in the position you're in in GME? Um, And and we'll go from there. Sure. I actually wound up by accident in GME, which I think is probably common for a lot of us. Um, I was, uh, my first career was an elementary school teacher with which my first program director told me was a great training ground for working with uh, residents. So, Oh, for, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I took the job at University of Florida as a temporary job that I was supposed to work about three months, and that was in September of 1998. So it's been uh, way more than three months. It's 23 years now. Um, but UF has been a great place to work. Um, and I really do love the whole recruitment process. It's my favorite thing. Um, our department has grown quite a bit since we started in 1998. We, at that time, were just a relatively small training program, and we've consolidated everything and made ourselves a division and added fellowships and all of the um, graduate medical education functions in our program. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it seems like, you know, I, I love hearing these stories. I think I've heard a lot of them where uh, coordinators are taking a job temporarily and then 20, 20, 30 years later, they're like, yeah, I stayed. It was great. And so, yeah, I, I think we've we we have obviously loved uh, working with program coordinators and admins in, in, in Thalamus and otherwise, but I think it's just been, it's really amazing to see just how programs grow and develop. And certainly the coordinator plays a, a big piece at the role of that. And I, I see you've also been active in, in uh, the Association of Pediatric Program Directors groups as well. Can you talk a little bit, a bit about that too? Yes. Yeah, so I've been an active member of the Association of Pediatric Program Directors um, pretty much my whole career. Really with the onset of COVID, I became much more active in that group. Um, when we were all faced with having to do virtual recruitment, I realized that I quickly needed some guidance and some resources and, and needed um, to band together with my colleagues to figure out how we were going to manage this whole process. And so I was invited to join the recruitment um, research team, and we created a toolkit to use not only for pediatric programs, but really for all programs. Um, and it was great. We, we you know, figured out everything. We did research. We tested the equipment. We, it was very, very helpful for us to work together and basically run a recruitment season before we really had to. It made, it made the actual running of the season much more smoothly. Um, I've also been involved as a mentor. So I'm a, a co-lead for the Southeast region for the mentor group and, and uh, try to help newer coordinators get on their feet and, and get through the first couple of years. Yeah, no, that's that's spectacular. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important 
just for new coordinators and those who are new to GME to just know that these resources exist, not only just from the specialty organizations themselves, but just the fact that in most specialties, these specialty organizations even exist. And I think applicants, as they're learning about GME and, and, and how small of a world it is also, um, that's really where just a lot of great um, materials and toolkits, such as what you guys developed, um, really helps um, in many cases GME adjust to a very rapid shift to virtual recruitment last year. And so um, I think it's it it really speaks just wonders, I think, to pediatrics in general. I, I know just being a former pediatric resident myself, like how, how strong that group is um, and how many wonderful people are a part of it. Uh, but just being aware of these structures that really help power GME throughout the country. Um, and it's it's great that, that you're a part of it. And, 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 you know, so thank you for that and then helping, helping GME transition to, to the virtual world. But, uh, you know, sort of transitioning ourselves here of course, uh, we're here today to talk uh, about a really, really important topic, and I'm really excited about this one, um, holistic review. And I think that term has been thrown out a lot, uh, and I think a lot of different specialties and GME and UME and all these different groups are really trying to define what that is, uh, and I know your programs participated in that. So, yeah, so for so can you help us to, to just start define holistic review and really uh, explain the importance of practicing it and 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 even the risks of not doing so as well? Yes, of course. You know, holistic review, it, it's definitely the buzzword now, but I think it really is something that many programs have been doing for a very long time. But holistic review really means looking at the whole application the whole package and trying to figure out how does this person fit into my program? Not just is this person going to be a good pediatrician or a good physician, but is this person gonna have the right fit? So when you do a holistic review, yes, you're looking at transcripts and you're looking at the Dean's letter and you're looking at their test scores. But more importantly, you're really spending time looking at their letters of recommendation uh, their personal statements are very important, and we can talk more about those um, later in the interview. Also, just their interests, their hobbies, their community service. Those are the things that differentiate people for me. You know, I can have 10 people who all scored great and all have great transcripts and all are in the top third of their class, but not all 10 of those people are going to fit well in my program. So when I look at an application, I need to make sure that the kind of program that we offer will satisfy and support the kind of trainee that I'm trying to recruit. Um, I think we've all had times where we weren't successful with that and maybe we got somebody in our program that wasn't happy. And that's really the worst thing for the program and, and for the trainee alike. So it's really important to look at the big picture and to, and to try to figure out, is this the kind of person that's going to be happy, going to be successful, going to contribute to the program in many ways, going to contribute to the community. Um, the other thing that's important, and I know it's, it's hard, it's very challenging, but I think we can't look at one mistake in, some, in somebody's application and write them off. I have done this, like I said, for 23 years. I've had trainees that Maybe they repeated a year. Maybe they failed a step. Maybe they failed a course. But we took a chance on them 
and they came to our program and they they're now I mean, I could probably name five people off the top of my head that have had issues in the 23 years that are now successful and have been successful and will continue to be successful in their careers. So I also think when, when you see a blip and you see something that's happened in an application that's not perfect, you really need to delve into that and look at, does this person acknowledge that it happened, um, know why it happened, learn something from it and show some resilience when um, addressing the, the problem? Those are just really stellar points through this whole process because I think a lot of programs and applicants are just just several of them are looking at this like we got to get the you know for the programs we have to get the best applicants we can get and for the applicants I got to go to the best program I can possibly get into and those two things aren't the same for each and every person and each and every program just because someone's a stellar applicant doesn't mean they're going to be a stellar applicant at your program and just because you want to get into a great program, that doesn't mean it's going to be the best program for you as an applicant. And I think holistic review in whatever way you want to define it allows for that because, yeah, you have candidates who are, have very strong board scores, but board scores, as everyone knows, and one of the reasons step one is going pass fail is because it has not been a good predictor of who's going to be either a great resident or even you know a great attending. And and I really love the topic of resiliency because I think that is so important in medicine in general. You know, there, there is no resiliency section on step one. There aren't many questions about resiliency, but there are ways to identify that in the application process through a holistic review. And, and you know, what, what, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. If I was designing a residency program now that I would want residents who are resilient because not everything goes your way, not everything goes perfect in medicine and, and selecting for that can, can be a challenge and, and there are tips and, and tricks you can try to do to, to assess that, but also resiliency is going to be defined by your program. It's, it's what is, what is resiliency for your program look like? And similarly for, for the applicants or the programs, it's important to define what your mission statements are and what you're looking for and what makes your program your program, what is going to help you be the physician you want to become. And for the programs, who are the people you're going to want to train, be they to stay on as attendings, to go out and be leaders in, in medicine, in, in other areas of the country, to work for a particular underserved population or otherwise. And those are the key things. And I think that's what holistic review obviously really allows for. And yeah, I, 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 lo I love the idea of resiliency overall. So, you know, we talked about resiliency, what other qualities uh, should be considered for a proper holistic review? Well, I think you stole my resiliency, Jason. So <laughs> I did not. You said you said you said resilience. We have the tape. This is a this is a recorded podcast. So, you know, I, I mean, on the topic of resiliency, because it is yeah. so important, I, I was thinking as you were talking that I know when my sons applied for college, mm. they said to me, Mom, nothing bad has really happened to us. How can I show resiliency? Which, you know, not that they've had perfect lives, but it's not always about you had some catastrophe happen in your life. Um, maybe financially you had a setback in your life. Maybe you had, um, you know, this year I have an intern who was training for the Olympics. That shows resiliency to me. I mean, how can you train to be an Olympian and go through medical school at the same time? 
you know there had to have been difficulties along that road. So I think we need to be open-minded too when we think about resiliency, because really, aside from resilience, we want people who are adaptable. We want people who um, know how to balance. You know, wellness is a really big thing in training programs. You know, you're well if you can balance. And it, again, it's not easy. But if I look at your application and all you have ever done is go from high school to college to medical school, and now you're trying to come to residency and you show no real hobbies, no real interests, no real community service, no real anything, I, I wonder how well are you because you have no balance in your life. So I think it's important to look again, holistically, I wanna see what else have you done? You know. Obviously, I see your test scores. You've made it through medical school. I get you're a bright person, but were you able to balance these things? I think for some trainees, residency is the first place where this is now a job. It's not school. You know, and sometimes they come in and they struggle with that because it's a whole different environment when you're working on a team, when when you call out. Um, you know, and, and so you have to show that you're able to work in a team, you're able to, um, I mean, I know I'm rambling, but, but you're able to follow really um, more and be successful more in a work environment. So I like to see that too. I mean, not everybody has to have a job since they're 16 years old, but can you volunteer? Have you had leadership? Have you done something where other people have relied on you to show up and to be there? Because they're going to be doing that in residency. I think it's, I think it's a really great point because everyone's trying to understand when they're reviewing your applications, at least as, as far as I can tell, is they're trying to understand who you are as a person. And I, I, talk a lot to medical students about their applications and, and I know we're going to get to personal statements also, but the idea of a, a net, this narrative structure and, and the, you know, there are two main narratives, a uh, stranger comes to town or, or, or someone goes on a journey. And that's, that's the reason we all tune into Netflix and, and Hulu and all these other areas. And, and that's what people are trying to figure out, I think, when they're reading these applications. And so, it doesn't have to be that you save the world, but there are stories that are just very intriguing and it helps us learn about the person and, and what you overcame. And it doesn't have to be monumental. I, I remember when I applied to college, I wrote an essay. I was a kicker on the football team in high school and I missed it. I missed a field goal. And, and, you know, it was a high school football game, but it, it there was a lesson in resiliency there. Um, and, and yeah, there are much bigger lessons in resiliency. There are people who've missed field goals in the Super Bowl. There are, there are people who've done things at the Olympics. And, and, and I was watching a documentary on figure skaters yesterday who, who fall in the Olympics after training their whole life. And how do they recover from that? And that tells you a lot about a person and a lot about a physician and a lot about a trainee. So I, I think... I think holistic review, as you said, really opens us up to that. And I think that's something that's going to be really exciting and, and not only do well for residency training programs and, 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 and residents, but just medicine as a whole going forward. And so, yeah, I, how, how, you know, we've talked a lot about what it can help uncover, but how is your program implementing holistic review right now? You know, it's funny because as, as we've been talking, I, I think about if I was listening to this podcast 
I might be sitting back and thinking, yeah, I know, but I don't have the time to do that. So I think really, if you're going to talk about challenges, the number one challenge is your resources, your the time you have to do and, and the staff you have to do it. Um, and I wanna really talk about the role of the program coordinator there. Your program coordinators, if they have been in their jobs for more than two years, know what to look for in an application. And if you wanna sit down and talk to them and train them, train them how to do it. But they can help you so much with going through at least a first review of applications. Program directors often, unfortunately, just do not have the time to go through the number. So that's one thing. I've been um, fortunate to have three program directors in my career, and all three of them trusted me with that initial review process. You know, we always sat down, we had a strategy, we always sat down and talked about who do we need? What is lacking in our program? Um, whether it's, you know, we need more DOs, we need more IMGs, we need more AMGs, we need more people from outside of Florida, we need more people who are interested in community medicine. You know, we talk about what's, what are the candidates, what's lacking in our program that we need to make us a little more whole? Um, do we need more diversity? I remember one year we were like 99% female. And we said, you know, obviously we're not going to recruit a male just because they're a male, but we thought we need more diversity in that area. That's something that's important to us. So I think number one is you need to have a strategy. You need to sit down and talk about who's the ideal candidate. What's the makeup of this intern class that we really, really need? Um, so that's number one. Number two is who are the people that can help me get through these applications? For large programs, pediatrics, family practice, internal medicine, we get thousands of applications, thousands. And if you, the program director alone, try to review all those applications, there's no way you're possibly gonna be doing a holistic review on, on most of those. So look at your program staff, look at your coordinators, your administrators, look at your associate program directors, look at some of the people that are on your GMEC committee. Um, you know, your your leadership in the department, see who can help you kind of go through that. You can always have a training session. You can always quickly re review who they, um, who they select before you send out invitations, but, but start getting some resources in, in order to help with that. And I think those can't be understated or overstated enough. I, there is a, having a strategy and of course, we work with many, many residency programs and many, many specialties. The ones that have strategies tend to do far superior in terms of their ability to get through applications, but also get through applications on a more holistic basis because they know what they're recruiting for. You, you know, to, to have 4,000 applications land in your lap and it's like, well, who do we pick from this? If you don't know what you're looking for, like that, that is an incredibly cumbersome and burdensome process. And similarly for the applicants, I think it's important for for them to recognize that too like there is 
there is some variability in this process. Just because you have good scores doesn't mean you're going to be a great fit for a program and, and, and vice versa. The other key here that's helpful for programs and applicants is that the program coordinator is a critical, critical person in this process uh, or program coordinators, uh, multiple people in some programs, depending on their size. But the main goal is to help them understand and determine who's going who's gonna to fit in our program uh, and, and, and help us meet that mission. And, you know, a lot of research we've done on our side is also who's going to come to the program as well, because you can find that perfect applicant who's going to fit with your program. But if they're ranking you eighth on, they're putting you eight on the rank list, like that's great, but, but you, that candidate is not coming to your program. And so exactly, exactly, yeah. Jason, you know, I'm thinking about that um, as I've been doing reviews and, mm. you know, I've, I'm looking at candidates, you know, we're in Florida. Um, so we get Floridians, we get Southeast, we occasionally get Mid-Atlantic, sometimes Northeast. You know, we do get the odd person from Middle America or from the, you know, the Northwest Coast. But generally, those people have a reason. So when I have, I was doing this the other day, I had 20 spots left to fill. And I had over 100 applications. And I sat there thinking, I need to recommend 20 out of these 100. And none of them were Floridians. None of them were my feeder schools. You know, they were all random people from all over the place. And, and I sat there and thought, why are you going to come here? What is it? Do I see something in your personal statement that talks about um, advocacy? Because that's a strong thing for us. Maybe that's why you're coming here. Do you tell me in your, in your personal statement that you have family in the area? then I can understand why you're coming here. Like it is about, it is about fit and, and why, you know, I can't, I don't have the resources to interview 500 people. So the ones that I'm selecting, I have to know that this person, it wasn't just a case where this person over applied to programs and, and was nervous and applied to programs. They're probably really not that interested in because if that happens, you know, they cancel anyway, and then you end up trying to fill these little holes that you have here and there. So that is really important. And it's also really important that programs are honest with themselves about what they can handle. So there are times when I look at an application where I have had people reach out to me and say, you know, this person really struggled and, you know, there are multiple areas of concern in the application. And, you know, my heart feels for them and I want to invite them but then I think this type of person is not going to be successful in this program. You know, we are a fast program. We're a busy program. Maybe in a smaller program where you have, um, you know, less, less patients that you're caring for on a daily basis, maybe that's, maybe there's a program. There are programs out there that maybe can handle that. But I think programs have to be very honest. And, and understand, do I have the resources to take somebody in my program who's going to require maybe a little bit more? Am I able to give that? Because it doesn't, it doesn't do an applicant a favor either to take them into a program where they're going to struggle and maybe not be successful. Yeah, I, I, I really like the strategy of looking for a candidate that's going to fit in with the mission of your program. And also, are, are they going to come to your program? And sometimes sometimes it's hard to determine. I know there, there are there, 
other tools that are trying to assess that right now and, and ways programs are trying to determine that, be they uh, secondary applications or additional small little paragraphs and such as well. Um, I, I'm more of the camp that I think a lot of this can be decoded from the application. Um, and, and, and so how, how do we do that? And so you know, I, th I think you've alluded to it, and certainly it's it's a major part of the application is is the idea of the personal statement as as a piece of this holistic review. And so, yeah, what, what how can applicants help themselves with the personal statement? How can how can coordinators, admins, directors, anyone reviewing applications really learn to read between the lines and figure out what, what what's there? Well, I think specifically with the personal statement that really is the applicant's opportunity to come to life. You know, those are their words, um, it's their experience. Just the topic alone that they pick shows you what's important to them. And it's really frustrating, I gotta say, I've read thousands of personal statements and there are so many times where I wonder who's advising these students on what to write. Are they getting advice even on what to write? because it's the same version of why I always wanted to be a pediatrician over and over again. If you're applying to pediatrics, I know you wanna be a pediatrician. I don't really need to see a whole essay on, I wanna be a pediatrician. Tell me what led you to that. Tell me um, somebody in your life that influenced you. Um, tell me something that happened in your life that made you question your goal. Tell me a decision you made that um, you realized along the road was the wrong decision and now you ended up here instead of there. Um, tell me about a problem that happened. You know, tell me something about what makes you, you. What makes you different from the other thousand applications I'm going to read this year. Um, I just think it's so important. I mean, we really, we need to know who you are. We, we need to know your story. I always tell candidates the same, uh, having trained in, in, in anesthesia as well, like it, the pediatrics personal statement, a lot of the times is, yeah, I really want to work with children. And that's true. And that's great because that's why we need pediatricians. And the anesthesia personal statement always has some flavor of, I like being in the OR, I love physiology. And, and I always kind of joke with applicants, like, don't reiterate the specialty back to the program. They practice it day in and day out. They're well aware of what the specialty is, but more of why are you going to be great in this specialty? And why is this specialty you're calling and or program and or whatever? And so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. Again, it's the narrative structure, right? It's it's what is what is going to draw me into this personal statement to learn about you. Kind of like the classic consulting question, like how many how many cows fit on an airplane? Like that when people ask that question, I, I don't even know what the answer is. And but you you're not supposed to just say 728 cows. You're supposed to say, well, you know, we could fit three cows and in, in, in across the the aisle and we can go about this many deep. And so everyone's just trying to get how you're thinking. And I think the personal statement exists in that way as well, in that who are you that we can't figure out from your ARIS application or, or any other component of your application. And so, yeah, I'm, I, I, I love the personal statement, I, but at the same time, you're right. They eventually all 
formulate into this structure of, of this is why I want to do this. And the ones that stand out, though, are, are truly remarkable. And I think that's where the applicants can win the day. It really is one of the first things I go to. I mean, I, I see, you know, on my review screen, I see their test scores. I see what school they went to. I see when they graduated. But when I start digging, the first thing I dig for is the personal statement. And, and if it's, if it doesn't give me anything, if it doesn't bring you to life at all, now I'm digging through the letters and I'm hoping maybe somebody who wrote a letter really knows this person and can tell me a little bit about them. Um, I'm, then I'm digging through your interests. I'm digging through, you know, and, and if you're struggling with things to write, go back through your application. You have community service. Think about each one of those experiences where you volunteered somewhere, you were a leader in a, in a community role. Um, there's got to be something that you can tell me that happened there that spoke to you that will show you what's important, you know, will show me what's important to you. For sure. Um, and so, yeah, even even beyond the personal statement, you mentioned the letters, MSPEs. What what else do you look for in a holistic review? And where, where do you where do you go next? I mean, I, I go I definitely go to the MSPE. Um, mm. You know, that's important there. I wish they were a little more consistent. They're not always that great, but they're getting a lot better than they used to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I love looking at the letters of recommendation. Now, you really have to read between the lines with those. And if you're new at reviewing applications, that takes a little bit of training because I have never read a letter for somebody who was worse than very good. So everybody is always at least very good. Um, So, you know, your scale of goodness really changes after you've read a few of these letters. So when I read a letter, I'm not just looking to see, are they very good? Are they excellent? Are they superior? Because those can mean different things. But tell me what they've done. Tell me what you've witnessed. If you're writing a letter for somebody, you should have witnessed them working with patients. You should have witnessed them in, in, um, you know, in their role as a student. Tell me what you you've seen. Tell me what you've learned about the person by observing how they've worked. Um, which sometimes you you get those, and and sometimes you don't. Again, it's who you ask. It's not always important to get the chair to write a letter if the chair doesn't know you get somebody that that you've spent time with um but i i do love seeing also um not just the hobbies the hobbies are important but i also want to see the volunteer work i want to see if they have work experience or volunteer experience because you have so little free time in medical school so what you choose to do outside of the classroom has got to be pretty important to you so that tells you a lot about a candidate as well I think there are just so many gems that if you know how to comb through it the right way, you can find. To me, when I look at an application, I, I really look at who they are as a person. Again, you have to look at everything. You know, it's easy to look at an application and go, oh, this guy failed step one. Forget it. You know, there, there are boards, you know, failing risk, but why don't you go back and, and, See if you can figure out why did this guy fail step one? Who knows? Maybe this, maybe this kid had a parent who passed away. I mean, there's a lot of different things that happen. And I think that's the other piece on the backside of it. You're not going to get that from a score. The score may give you some of that in the context of everything else going on. But 
no one goes to a doctor asking them what did they score on their on their step score, but they will they will tell you how the doctor made them feel and how well they're able to connect with that doctor. Exactly. And so, exactly. So, one other one other key point from that is, you know, do you feel that there are currently adequate resources for program coordinators and directors that want to become well versed in holistic review practices or? Where would you where would you point them if if if, if those ha- people had questions for that? You know, I don't think there are. Um, you know, I I think that you know I've been lucky to um, have very supportive program directors who early on in my career sat me down and taught me how to do this, and you know watched me fail a little bit and helped me learn. Um, I was thinking about this, you know, I started in September of 1998 and I'm so old that way back then applications were still paper. So I had been in my position a month and my program director came in with a stack. He was a neonatologist and he worked a lot of hours. He had very little administrative time and he came in with a stack and he put it on my desk and he said, will you go through these and tell me who you think we should invite? And I thought, are you talking to me? There's somebody behind me or what? I have no idea. And he, you know, very quickly said, look for this, 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 put them in two piles and I'll go over them with you tomorrow, whenever you get to, Um, you know, a month in. But again, number one, not all administrators have supportive program directors. Some program directors don't want their administrators messing at all in applications. And, you know, I think that's a disservice to everybody, but that's, that's their business. Um, Secondly, I don't know that there's training resources. I don't, I don't know. And it's funny because now I'm thinking about my mentor group. Oh, maybe we should do this. That's one of our topics. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a presentation on how to do a, a holistic application review. I don't think in all the conferences I've gone to, We've had one, at least for administrators, maybe the program directors have talked about it at at their level, but for administrators, I don't think, I don't think there are resources. I don't, I don't know that there are webinars. I don't think we've done it in our, in our pediatric association. I've been to ACGME conferences. And the only time that I think we even really talked about it somewhat was I went to an NRMP conference one year and there was a discussion about the transition from UME to GME. And we did talk quite a bit about recruitment. That was very helpful. But no, Jason, I think it's definitely needed. I think that mm-hmm. if there are things out there for us, the word needs to get out. And I think maybe that those of us who know how to do this should step up and start training other people. And and I think if there are program directors that are hesitant to let their administrators help, and I mean help, I don't mean do it all for them. Um, you know, maybe if an administrator gets trained and they go to their PD and say, look, I've done this training. This is what I've learned. Let me let me take a shot at it and then see what you think. I mean, may, maybe that's the way we'll we'll get to it because, you know, they I don't think they can do it all the, themselves. I think they're good points. I think there's a general desire amongst GME to review holistically as possible. Uh, I think we're seeing more programs do that this year, uh, just in the fact that over the first few weeks now of this application season, we on the thalamus side are seeing 
invites going out with a, a slight delay. Um, it's not as front loaded as we usually see it. And, and to me, you know, we, we need to examine that data more, but to me, it does say that programs aren't rushing out invites, which means they're reviewing applications with greater detail. Um, and I think that speaks uh, a lot. So there is, I would say, definitely a need. There are certainly some programs uh, that have been experts in doing this for many, many years. And I think it's important for them uh, to, to get the word out in terms of how we do this. I know various specialty organizations are trying to define what holistic review means to them. In emergency medicine has their standardized letter of evaluation. They're slow. Uh, OBGYN started doing uh, one of those this year. I believe there are a few other specialties that do that as well. Um, and so all of these are fitting into, into a holistic review. Um, and I think it's important to sort of define the tools that exist. That's where the holistic review really comes in as defining what it is, defining our mission. That's what we're screening for, for the applicants. And the idea, as we've kind of alluded to, that that can change over time. And that allows programs to grow and, and allows applicants to train in different areas. And I think that just really does a lot for medicine in general, because the populations of areas are always changing and yes. the, the needs. So Yes. And, and you know, you're right that that's why you have to have that conversation every year. Programs should change. That is something as an applicant, you should be talking to programs. Tell me a change you made in the last year or two years. Tell me the changes you plan to make in the next coming two to three years. Um, I'm thinking specifically for our program, when I used to see applications for people who talked about rural medicine, I thought, mm, probably not the best person for us. We're in Jacksonville and a lot of people might not know Jacksonville, but it's a city. It's a major city. We didn't really do a lot with rural medicine. Well, we, in the past couple of years, have had several of our physicians take rural medicine gigs. And so this last year, we've set up a rural medicine elective with an alum in our program. And so it's a start. But now when I see applications for rural medicine, and I know, well, we're working on a rural medicine track and we're developing that. Now that's the kind of person I can pull in. So what, what you're trying to recruit should be changing to go along with the mission of, of where you're trying to lead your program as well. No, I, 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 I think that's a great way really to sum up what we've talked today is, is figuring out who's going to fit that mission and allowing that mission to evolve over time. And similarly, a question we like to ask just to yes, we kind of aim to wrap up here uh, that we ask everyone is, is in terms of personal growth, obviously we've all been going through the pandemic. Is there any hobby that you've picked up over the pandemic that's new to help you get through quarantine or otherwise? And, and, and what is that? Well, so... Um, Jason, I, I would like to say yes. <laughs> okay. All right. Great. <laughs> um, actually, I have started to love exercise again. Um, I have never been a thin person, will never be a thin person. I'm Italian. I love my food. But when I was working from home, I found I could not just sit in that chair all day. I could not do it. Um, when I was at work, I was always up. I was always moving. I was talking to this person. I was going here. I was going across the street. In my home, there's only so many times you can walk around the living room. So I learned to love exercise again. And it, it it's became therapy to me. If I, if I was on a 
meeting that was incredibly frustrating. I'd get off the meeting. I'd go in my room. I might do 10 minutes, but it was like, oh, put on some music. I moved around. I felt so much better. So to me, that has been a godsend. I actually have lost a little weight, which if you had asked me at my age, I would have thought was impossible. Um, but I'm loving that. I'm, you know, now that the weather's cooling off, I am, I'm taking my pup here on hikes now. We're having a great uh -huh. time. So yes, exercise has been, has been great for me. I, I think it's a great answer because it kind of fits into the topic. It's, it's holistic. It's, it's, it's giving you something else to do outside of work and, and, and the pandemic and is making you, you in the same way that this is what we're trying to decide from applicants right now as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. I, I love asking that question because it just, it just gives us like an entire, another perspective, kind of like the personal statement or otherwise. And so, um, yeah, no, I think, you know, Don, it's, it's been wonderful speaking with you today. Um, I think we've, we've really shown that holistic review really is such a key part of making GME recruitment more equitable, uh, more inclusive, starting with ensuring that programs have the resources to, to do a holistic review, what they should be looking for, what components of the application they can, they can uh, use to, to promote that. One thing we have seen also in GME in general with technology is there's been much more sharing of resources. And I think that is very beneficial to us as, as, a, as a profession and an and educational system going forward. And so, yeah, we really appreciate you joining us tonight. This has been wonderful again, and uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Thank you so yeah. much for asking me to participate. I really had a great time doing it. Awesome. Thank you, Dawn. Mm -hmm.